Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and thank you for joining me for show number 21, the second last show of the year. Now, I've made the last two shows this year a little bit more about our low-tox mental states. As you know, the low-tox life is not just about what we put on us, the food that we eat, but it's what what's going on all around us and, and our general sense that we can feel light and happy and purposeful and you know, psychology has a huge part to play in that, which is why I've invited a wonderful psychologist to join me today, Alison Hill. And we are talking about having a sense of purpose. We are talking about satisfaction in the workplace, satisfaction in our personal lives, a sense that we are bringing value into our life and and, and some of the emotions and strategies for having a sense that we're truly fulfilled. Even when, like, you know, when you have a newborn, for example, sometimes there are many things that you do in the day that aren't particularly fulfilling that are more meaning, menial, say changing a pooey nappy. Um, but, you know, how we bring a sense of fulfilment and purpose to uh, the overall picture um, and in ensuring we're nourishing ourselves and filling up our own cup and not being beholden to the idea of busy. Uh, you know, we talk about all those good things and it's one of those ones where you think, oh, you know, I'm not going to learn about a medical condition today or three things I need to do to alleviate X symptom. So I'll skip this show because that doesn't sound as important. But trust me when I say you do not want to skip this. There is some real gold in here. If you've ever thought, oh, I'm not satisfied. Oh, I'm not getting enough out of my life or I'm not giving enough to myself, there is a real uh, roadmap kind of, if you like, discussed and some fantastic, super, super simple take five minutes out with a cup of tea type strategies to reflect that you can actually keep working on uh, getting the best out of life for yourself and for all of those people around you, whether it's personal or work. So it's a really great chat. And before I hook into that, I just want to remind you that this is the last week that you have the chance to redeem the incredible generosity of Walida, who are giving us 20% off and free shipping over $29.95. So it's a really, really great deal. Have a look in your skincare cabinet. Have a look at your Christmas present list. If there's something you may have forgotten, please make the most of it. Their shipping is very fast turnaround for Australia and you have all the details on the show notes, the link to their website uh, and the code that you need to use. Uh, I mentioned skin food and the fragrances and the beautiful smoothing rose day cream last week. Uh, But I also wanted to mention just in case you have a friend who might be pregnant, uh, you know, some parents to be and you think, oh, I want to give them something really meaningful. Maybe they're also friends that have never really bought into or appreciated uh, the low tox way gift giving can be a beautiful way to incite curiosity and something I absolutely loved, love giving people the Walida baby products, so the Calendula range, and they're they're just so delicious. And this was probably 
the first thing I ever put on my little guy's skin, the Walita Tushy Cream. Um, I used the teething powder. I used the cream bath, which is incredibly nourishing on a newborn skin. You definitely don't want to be using harsh soaps. Uh, and I used, what else did I use? Oh, my husband used to nickname it the boob tea, the nursing tea. Maybe you don't want to give the nursing tea for Christmas or maybe you want to actually give like a whole bunch of gorgeous little things in a little basket um, with a pretty tea towel or a muslin uh, cloth for the bub. That could be a really gorgeous little way to present for um, parents. There are a stack of fantastic um, gift options and packs on their website. So check those ones out. And, you know, you, you can always give a body lotion or a gorgeous shower gel. That's never going to be something someone's going to go, oh, I don't use those. So there's always something really handy. And what I love about Walita is not only the commitment to people and the environment in every facet of their business, they constantly win awards and recognition on a global scale for the work that they do in that area, but also that they really are about rather than being a huge for-profit company internally, they're much more about accessibility for all. And so their prices are really, really reasonable. So enjoy the brand if you haven't discovered it yet and enjoy stocking up on your favourites if you're a regular user. This is the last week and the last program partner that we have for the year. So I hope you've enjoyed all the special offers that we've put together for you guys. There will be plenty more where they come from next year. So that's that. Head to the show notes to make the most of it, get the codes, get the link to the website. And without further ado, my beautiful chat with Alison Hill. And here she is. Hey, Ali, how are you? I'm fantastic, Alex. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm really excited to have you on the show because, as I always talk about, low-tox life isn't just about what we put on our skin and the food we eat, but it's a lot to do with our minds and our state of mind and cultivating a good state of mind. And when you launched your newest book, Stand Out, I just thought, oh, Absolutely. Because, I mean, you know, the whole mission that you have around this book is making you the boss of busy. And of course, we're going to go into what that actually means. But if we could just start with how you came to be doing what you do today, that would be great because there'll be a lot of people who aren't in the business community listening to us have a chat today, curious as to why I've brought a business book friend <laughs> onto the show, but I think it'll all become pretty obvious as, as the chat continues. Oh, absolutely. Look, and, and I love so much what you're doing around that low-tox low living and, and, as you say, the passion around how much our mindset impacts on all of that is so, so huge. Mm. Um, so obviously my background is a psychologist and I've worked in clinical settings. I've worked with um, people with depression, anxiety, um, personality disorders. I've also worked in a chronic pain program, but for the last eight or nine years, have worked with businesses and organisations, predominantly transitioning through change. And it's probably the one common denominator for all of us mm. is that we're transitioning through change. But one of the things I found from having worked in that clinical setting was that I was having conversations with people around how to deal with that uh, that kind of overwhelm, how mm -hmm. to get on top of um, their life, not only just what's going on for them in their thinking, but so much of that was coming back to, well, how well are you sleeping? What kind of movement are you doing in your day? Uh, what are your relationships like? And I guess for me, I was 
you know, these conversations are conversations that all of us need to have more often. And mm. I was really passionate about them being conversations that are more proactive rather than when the wheels have fallen off and then we go and get support and help that we need, which is still a really important part of it. But let's, yeah. let's bring these conversations out into our everyday life. And that's across everything, isn't it? Absolutely. It's like health, you know, we are so apocalyptic and we really wait for the SHIT to hit the fan <laughs> before we go, maybe I should talk to someone about this. Yeah. And, um, and why would our minds be separate to our health in terms of that logic? Oh, so it makes so, complete sense. They're so yeah. integrated. They're so, so part of that. And the reality is that we spend so many hours at work. The work has a major role to play in that as well. So a big part of what I do is working with leaders that are driving change within organisations and uh, I guess you know I became not only interested in their own leadership but just how much a role their own personal health in both mental health physical health relationship health financial health all of that has on their ability to lead to support to encourage to inspire the people around them and so I really think it is the, the next shift and change in the world of of work is focusing on personal development as much as we talk about professional development because that is that is going to be the growth opportunity for for those businesses that uh, that want to excel that want to be the best of the best mm, interesting it comes down to those that the individual health that sits behind that yeah absolutely and i don't think there'd be anyone well there would be very few people listening today that didn't have a job of some kind, whether that's being a parent, working in a company, uh, working for yourself or um, government or public services. I mean, most of us do some kind of work. I can't think of a single person I know, parent or not, that just hangs out mm. <laughs> and does nothing. Yeah. So it's totally relatable to us all. Now, this book is pretty special. Can you share why you felt you had to write that book? It feels like you've almost alluded to it already anyway, but why this book? Why the parameters um, that you set around this book? Yeah, it's such a good question. And the reality is I did have to write it. Like it was something that, that, that came out from me. I get the great advantage, obviously, in the work that I do. I have been able to do, run, you know, I do training sessions as well as do keynote presentations at conferences and those sorts of things. So these are conversations that I've been having for quite a while with people. And so the book is really a culmination of those conversations in a lot of ways. But what I was finding was how these conversations were hitting such a variety of industries and so many different people. So I had to write it because I'm just seeing more and more the overwhelm of relentless change. So we used to, in a work environment, we used to have organisational restructures, then things would you know, settle down for two or three years and then there might be another restructure. That's just not the way of our world at the moment. We've got restructures. No, it's not. It's, so, it's changing so, so fast, fast so isn't fast. it? And yeah, I mean, change has mm. always been here, but the velocity of change is like we've never seen it before. And in, a, in so many ways, that is such a great advantage for us. With, with our access to technology that we're always on, we're always available, it gives us the convenience to literally be able to work from anywhere be contacted by people mm. all around the world at any time and it is a great advantage. The problem is that we've never worked like this before so we don't know what those parameters are and it's coming at a collateral cost to our, our health. And we find it hard to set the parameters, right? Because it's yeah. all being written right now. 
Absolutely. We're, yeah. we're right at the forefront of this. This is, this is really the beginning. And so we keep looking for, you know, what are other people doing? But what we've got to set those parameters ourselves. So for me, it came about, I was running leadership programs and in particular, I was running a women in leadership program and I would go to them, you know, with the topic that we would cover and we'd be looking at something like conversations or how we make better decisions as leaders. But at the first 15 minutes of every session, I would sit down and say, look, just what's going on and what do you want to get out of this? And the kinds of things I was hearing, Alex, were people saying, oh, I just wish I could connect better with my husband. I just wish oh, wow. I could more time with my kids. I just wish I could, you know, spend some time writing that book that I've always wanted to write. And so it just blew me away that what people were craving were these, how do I make time for the stuff that really matters in my life? Because mm-hmm. I think that will make me a better leader and make me contribute better to, to the work that I do. Amazing. So you thought you were going in to have like work conversations and what came out of it was really personal ones. Yeah, which for me as a psychologist, of course, I just lit up about that. I'm like, let's get personal. Let's Mm. actually talk about this stuff and let's make it part and parcel of the conversations we have at work rather than something that we should be avoiding. And I think that's what was driving it was people really craving that. Mm. Alongside of these conversations, Alex, was that I was going through this myself. So running a full-time business, two young kids, I had so much going on and I had my own overwhelm where I was struggling. I was finding I was lost in amongst it all. My priorities and even my personal expectations were absolutely through the roof. And, you know, I was snapping at my kids quicker than I really wanted to be or or that I Mm -hmm. should be doing. I was dropping the ball on the stuff that really mattered. My own personal health wasn't taking kind of priority. So again, I just became really, really curious around this duality of what I was hearing and the conversations I was having with people around me, as well as what I was going through myself, which I just kind of went, right, it's time to dive into the research. And there's got to be a way where we can step up, where we can contribute more, but not have it come with that collateral cost of, of us losing sight of who we are or, you know, snapping at the people that we love the most around us. So really, yeah, that's where the essence of the research behind the book and the conversations came from. Mm, it really speaks to me because it's something I really struggle with. I did some values work um, with a wonderful coach a couple of years ago and in and amongst my top five was change the world. Like it's hugely valuable to me to make a contribution and make change and for, you know, a positive tomorrow. And, uh, of course, family and my little guys, the big driver for that and a couple of other values that came out of it were peace and adventure. And and But what's really interesting for me was that um, I didn't put my health, my own personal health in that top five. Mm. Um, and so I put changing the world above myself. And I've had a couple of, of low dips in my health in the last couple of years since I moved to online education. And I definitely, I, I don't begrudge it at all. I, I, it actually gives me goosebumps every day to turn up to work. So that's not the issue, but it's more the issue that you're talking about, which is in doing work that we find truly valuable to ourselves, it's really important that we don't lose ourselves along that way. Um, where we actually take a back step because you can't help anybody if you're (laughs) lying down in a hospital bed unable to do anything for anyone anymore. Exactly, exactly. So, and we don't want 
it to let things get to that point. And, you know, look, I see it happen to parent friends as well. You don't, this conversation is not just about people who work in the traditional sense of work. I know it's not because parents put themselves at the absolute bottom of the pile day after day. And, um, you know, we will, I don't know, we'll do like a school project before we'll take ourselves off for a walk and, or, you know, all these sorts of choices we make before we make them for ourselves and our own health. And it comes back to filling up your cup, doesn't it? It really does come back to filling up your own yeah, cup. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. I'm sure plenty yeah. of the listeners would have heard that analogy around putting on our own oxygen mask. First. Oh yes, and while yep. it's really interesting, I've you know I've I've been around the conference circuit, and I've I've certainly heard a lot of people say that. And I remember sitting down with a really good friend of mine and saying, "Why are we still talking about the oxygen mask? Like, surely this metaphor has been around long enough. Surely we we get it by now. Why why do we keep needing to bring it up?" And uh, we'd had mm. this conversation, and we were just kind of tossing it around. And I remember jumping on a plane from the Gold Coast to Melbourne and I actually listened to that safety speech, which you normally tune out to. Yeah. And I <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the time to do your last <laughs> emails before right. they tell you you've got and to switch I it off. Sat yeah. And, listened. <laughs> and it in there in uh, that safety speech it actually says in in the time of emergency, put your oxygen mask on first. And so it almost says if we're going to look after ourselves, you better, like the ship better be hitting the fan <laughs> or else it's... Mm. Oh, yes, that's it's, the subtext of it, isn't it? In an emergency yeah. and your version of emergency might not be quite as high as what mine is. And so we've kind mm. of, the metaphor doesn't work because in that space, it's only... And when things yes. are really, really bad, whereas the reality is even in the middle of the day, a bit like you alluded to, we need to prioritise putting the oxygen mask on for just a normal flight. Like <laughs> every yeah. day we need to. We kind of need oxygen all the time. <laughs> we need to even just like on a quieter day or a day where it's not, we're not overly overwhelmed, but it's just, a you know, there's a lot going on. I've got a lot to juggle. And as you say, with parenting, you know, we've got to get to, um, you know, music or, and then we've got to go to the library for the reading. <laughs> There's a lot going on. So even yeah. on that day, it's so key to go for a walk. Yeah, so is. To 10 minutes out for yourself. Uh, to do it even amongst the normal day rather mm. than to wait for that emergency. Absolutely. And I'm traditionally a wait for an emergency kind of gal. I think most of us are. I think it, it is sort of, you know, we just assume we've got this boundless energy and chi kind of given to us. And, and the reality is we just don't. Um, and I used to have this fantastic practice of what I call exiting stage left for 30 minutes a day and just, just doing it for myself. And I've really let that slip lately. And surprise, surprise, like it shows. I can feel that it shows. So I love that. Mm. Exit stage left. <laughs> yeah. Pop out for a few minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't have to be in your life the whole time. You can just peacefully float off from it for a little while. Yeah. Nothing's going to change. It'll all still be there when you get back. But you'll have more energy and a, a more centred kind of sense of self yeah. coming back. Um, now, Stand Out is obviously the name of the book. And um, something that I would love for you to first share is what, what does out mean to you um, in this book? Yeah, great, great question. So standout in the context of the book, I actually talk about these two drivers of, of change and those two drivers are purpose 
and you mentioned before, Alex, about having done some values work. So it's a bit of that stuff. So what's the purpose of what I'm doing? Um, why am I doing what I'm doing? And we, you know, and so often it's about getting clarity on why, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Now, some of that might be the bigger life purpose. It might be, you know, what am I, what am I here for? What's my contribution? But it mm. doesn't even have to be that big stuff. It can even be just in your day, if I'm about to make a phone call to a friend, why am I having this conversation? What's my intent behind this conversation? If I'm catching up Ooh, with someone for a that's coffee, juicy. what's mm. the purpose? Like what, what else could we get out of this? What could be uh, useful or fulfilling in this space? So bringing that, putting intent behind everything we do. Mm. And I guess what I hear, and I, I, you know, it can talk about from a work context because this is often what I hear but it also translates to other areas of our life but when we don't have that when I ask people why do you meet why do you have a team meeting at nine o'clock on Tuesday morning and they say just because it's the way we've always done it it's just the way it is (laughs) yeah yeah and it might, you know, again, we do the same in our family life. You know, why do we have a, a family get together at lunch on Sunday? And it might be, oh, well, that's just because we've always done it that way. And it may, that may not be. There might be another deeper purpose. But when we slip into that just because, we lose mm. sight of that purpose. So it's so key to reconnect with why. Yes. And the purpose doesn't need to be to get something out of it, right? No, it, it, no, no. Yeah. Mm. It might just to you know, have a giggle with a friend. It might just be... Mm. Um, to bring lightness into your yeah. day or... Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. But also to know that that purpose might shift and change. So what was what mm. was really important last year might be really different now. Our friendships, our connections or what's going on for us might have just shifted. So it's it's always really... It's one to keep coming back to. Why, why am I doing this? But also mm. got fascinated because I was doing a lot of values work with people and while we get, would get clear on values and people would walk away and go, yes, that's me, I know what's important now, they would then just slip back into life as usual. So nothing would change. And again, I got really fascinated and I guess bringing back in my work from when I was working in a clinical setting as a psychologist, it's not always about why things are happening. Sometimes you've just got to get into action. Sometimes you've got to take that first mm. step and just get moving. So for me, the second driver of change is progress. And when we feel like we're not making progress, that's where motivation drops. That's where morale drops. That's where we just we start to slunk, fall into a slump and go, look, what's the point? We're not getting anywhere. Kind of like day week five of an exercise regime yeah. where you haven't actually started to see any results yet. Yeah. And that's quite typically when people just go, well, this clearly isn't working and huff and then go back to the couch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. for me that's day five, not even week five. I'm out of breath and I hurt. What is this? Yeah, <laughs> I've done an hour's worth of work. So, yeah, we've got to be coming back to what is purpose progress, and purpose progress. and progress. Yeah. So in the book, it actually creates a bit of a quadrant model, those two things on a continuum, purpose and progress. So when we don't have either, when we, we have no sense of purpose and we're not making progress, then this is where we step into a state of checkout. This is where we get to, you know, the start of a week and we're literally counting down the seconds till the end of the week. Yes. And can I just interrupt there? Something that I find yep. really interesting on, say, Instagram is how many thank God it's the weekend or Ugh, Monday posts there are. And I think yep. that says everything, doesn't it? It, it just says so much. 
completely it's such a flag for hey what are we checking out of mm. that we turn up physically but we're not there emotionally we're not kind of connected with why we're doing what we're doing um, and the reality all of us have been in that state at different times mm. like this isn't just um, oh I've definitely you know, been in that state yeah <laughs> unique to to someone but we've all been in that state and you can find yourself you know lying on the couch watching 20 hours of, of sex in the city <laughs> bucket of ice cream and I have had someone say to me in a session they said oh is eight hours okay and I said I reckon <laughs> I reckon tens about your tipping point <laughs> I, I have a self-imposed um, three episode limit if I'm addicted right. to a show I don't watch an awful actually I don't watch any television but every now and then I'll get into a Netflix series and at mm. the moment it suits love it and yeah I am no more than three otherwise you just end up in that vortex of <laughs> of blah <laughs> and you can't tune into anything or find energy for anything except for the television I think that's a really yeah. bad place to be exactly mm. exactly so part of that is paying attention to that mm. often when people are in that state of checkout what we do is we get busy and we start getting into action and so we move up the progress continuum where we're making progress but we still haven't quite connected with purpose why we're doing what we're doing and when we're in this state we can often be uh, hitting all our targets winning awards actually getting stuff done the people around us are going hey you're killing it because stuff's happening but there's something on the inside that just feels disconnected because we're not lit up by it mm. and we haven't got a strong connection to purpose. So That's this is absolutely where... happened to me. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes I'm interviewing people and I feel like I get to have these amazing chats about my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the, the reality is, is this is totally extrapolatable, if that's even a word to everyone because I think I'll just share a tiny story from my own life. I've had two very different um, industries that I've been a part of so far before health and education and that was cosmetics and uh, hospitality. And in both of those industries, I was always like, you know, promoted really early, really fast. I'm just an enthusiastic person who brings it all to the game. And what happens though is is if I haven't done the purpose work, which I didn't know to do until I was in my early to mid-30s, um, I would end up climbing these mountains super fast and getting to the top and just feeling empty inside, just like... Why am I even here? Yeah, but the people around you are cheering you on going, yes. you're nailed. And then you feel it. like a fake or you yeah. feel ungrateful or yeah. – but you can't help feeling those feelings, right? Not at all, not at all. And and often, you know, it's because, like you say, we haven't done the purpose work for ourselves. Mm. We, we end up taking on the expectations of where we think we should be at. It's almost a little bit of that linear, you know, we come out of university or studying or school or whatever, and then we uh, get into career, uh, career and then we work really, really hard to, to get up through the ladder. The societal checklist, I call it. Yeah, that's Mm. it. That's absolutely Mm. it. And then when we get there, we go, this isn't what I expected. Why am I not Mm. fulfilled? Why is this not where I want to be? And so, yeah, a big part of it. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, they they would recognise having been in this state. So this Mm. is where I I call it a state of burnout. 
So we're literally nailing things are you know getting done and, and we're we're getting making progress, but we've lost sight of that connection. It's the time where we get really really efficient with our days. We're absolutely like we're waking up, we've got a massive to do, we rip in, we're getting it done, but we kind of collapse into bed at the end of the day and just feeling a bit disconnected from who we are, only to know that we're going to get up and rinse and repeat and do exact same thing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me about parents in that context? Because I know so many mums especially who feel that sense of getting so much done and then collapsing in a heap and losing a connection to purpose um, and burning out. Yeah, and I think it is coming back to knowing what's the stuff that energises us. So again, mm-hmm. as parents, and look, it's it's hard. I've got two kids. Uh, my kids are nine and seven, and so we're moving into a very different stage and it's such a delightful stage where you know they're so interactive and chatty and they I have this newfound independence my daughter's seven-year-old's just discovered cycling on a bike and so they will go <laughs> oh it's fabulous awesome. it's awesome but I know yeah. those early early stages no one gets energy from changing endless no. nappies right <laughs> no one I, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's like my higher purpose is a clean <laughs> bum <laughs> Not at all, and yet that's what your day is reduced yeah. to, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, you know, there are there your day is just getting getting through the bits and and um, nailing those bits. I remember when when Kate was born, my number one goal was to make sure I had a shower every day before twelve. And or you didn't set that limit on no, yourself. Like some of them were ten o'clock at night, but I was determined to make sure I had that shower. And uh, that's always just a great reality and reminder, reality check for me and reminder of, yeah, that those days are so mm. busy. And so, yeah, finding those moments where, you know, it is just those five minutes of taking a deep breath, finding that light, lightness and, and humour in your day that, that reminds you of who you are in that space, yeah. knowing that tomorrow will be likely be very similar because of the routines, because of the way things are. It's also where can we inject a little bit of difference in that space where we might, you know, we want to have dinner at a particular time because we know kids are so, they respond to routine and it's really, really important in that space. But it might be one night a week that you are having a picnic in the backyard rather than at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. And it just jolts that little point of difference into your week. And so finding those those little moments, I think, is really, really key. Beautiful. And for me, I found just putting on my own music. Yep. Like forget the wiggles. If they drive you nuts, you shouldn't have them on, basically. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> just yep. put on something. Go put on Triple J. Maybe not once they're three and four and you've got the language warning <laughs> issue, but I just found having my own music on was such a sanity check for me um, in the menial task kind of days. Uh, yeah. Okay. So sorry to deviate. I just know there's so no, many no, parents no. out there who are listening and that burning out thing just applies to, to them too. So then... Freaking out. What's that about? So freaking out is when we're really connected with our purpose. We know why, but we feel like we're not making any progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so these are those moments where um, it's almost like our friends are sick of hearing what we say we're going to do and how we're going to shake the world and do everything differently because nothing's actually changing. Nothing's actually shifting and, and, and happening. And these are the moments that we freak, and we freak out because we start to doubt that inner voice that says, no, this matters. 
because we're not getting anywhere. We're not getting any traction on it. Okay. So it's it's that kind of doubt and that sense of if I'm going to get anywhere, I've got to I've got to drop what I think is important in order to move forward. That's that's kind of the unsaid rule in our head, which is why we're in that state of, of freak out. Ah, so you're saying like quite often we think that to achieve something we have to ditch like really important personal yep. stuff or, you know, and just forget everything while we work to the cause and okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a fear that the only way to actually move forward mm. or make a success is that I have to drop this have thing to that sacrifice I, this, important stuff. Yeah. yeah. The, the, my purpose mm. of, of what's important to me, which is not the case. It's actually more about how do we get traction on the things that will make a difference? How do we how do we focus on the stuff that's gonna shift? So in a small business kind of context, it's it's making it's getting clear on what's the activity that will give us traction in the week. So where it's really important to have a website, for example, mm. you and I know that we can spend months obsessing about what's on that website, the colour palette, the font, the margin size, like all of that sort of stuff, but not have actually picked up the phone to talk to a client to actually get any work. <laughs> we, can be, yeah. we can be incredibly busy procrastinating yeah. about the very thing that's going to get us the work at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, we when we're in a state of freak out, we need to come back and go. Okay, if my time is so limited, and particularly when you've got, um, like you say, parents who juggling kids, and if they are doing uh, work outside of the work at home, mm. then time is so so limited. So we've got to get clearer on. Okay, if my if I only have five hours this week, if I only have ten hours. What are those 10 hours going to make the biggest impact on us moving forward? Yes. And it's that 80-20 rule, right? We should really be spending 80% of our time that we've got designated on the most important stuff and 20% on how pretty the website is and where we put the Facebook button. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And not to say that stuff isn't important, but if it's getting in the way of mm. what's going to move us forward, that's when we get into freak out. Yes. So with... You know, we're saying we have to, we feel sometimes we have to sacrifice the important stuff. Don't you think that the reality is for those working in an organization who do have children that unfortunately, still very, very often, especially for women, we are actually made to forget the important stuff? Yeah. It's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting yeah, it out there. Sure. Maybe a bit controversial. No, no, no. But you know, like think of think too. of a female lawyer who's mm-hmm. 45 and has, you know, a couple of small kids. Like yep. she's not allowed to finish work at 5:30. There's absolutely no way, unless it's a really forward-thinking organisation who's worked with you guys, for example, yeah. <laughs> or someone like you to to show that there is a way to create a really effective workforce that doesn't have to work till 11pm at night to get the job done. Yeah, and, you know, I think, Alex, these are going to be the toughest conversations, but these are the key conversations we're going to have to have into the future because mm. it just it can't continue to be like this. So the problem is, and we're seeing senior female leaving a whole range of different organisations in droves because yeah. we don't have these opportunity to actually... And balance is not the right word, but it's it's actually to take into account that, uh, like you say, someone who's a lawyer, highly ambitious, wants to contribute, can be an awesome you know contributor in that space, 
but if you can only do it between 7am and you've got to be there till 7pm but just because that's the culture of our work around here mm. they're not going to stick around yeah for for too much longer or it's going to have an impact on on their work because it's going to have an impact on their family and mm. um yeah not to mention the dads who are yeah. made even more so to feel like they're not committed to work by mentioning a son's birthday or a daughter's um, dance concert, you know, they, they just don't have the option so often to actually say, yeah, I'm not going to be until 11 because it's my daughter's end of year play. It, it's really interesting that work sense. And I think you said it, these are the toughest conversations and they absolutely are, but we've got to make sure that we're having the conversation as well and we're not just waiting for management yeah. to announce the day that everyone's going to get to talk about their children and not feel like they're not committed employees. Yeah. It's a two-way yeah, exactly. street um, and HR departments can be amazing for that. I think we underuse our HR departments and the rights that we have as employees. Uh, I haven't been an employee for many years myself but my husband is and a lot of my close friends and and the ones who have the best time at work are the ones who work through the tough conversations, who say, I really want to work here, but I also really want to go to the key dates on my school calendar year for my children. And, you know, like I just, it's very interesting. Mm. I think we're so quick to blame the place we work or we're so quick to blame the government or, you know, and sure, like, but no one's perfect, including us, right? And what I love about this book is, is... We've all got to learn this this vocab. We've all got to read the signs of when things, various things are happening that are giving us little red flags along the way that, that you know, a freak out is on its way or a burnout's on its way. Yeah, really important stuff. Yeah, they are such such interesting conversations and I think there are there are really uh, pockets of forward-thinking organisations who are having these conversations more and more. Mm. It is around, yeah, getting HR involved. The reality is... And the fear is that if we talk about flexibility and family, then nothing will get done in the workplace. But the mm. reality is the people, it's not a mutually exclusive conversation. Your staff, and I'm sure as an employee, if you're working somewhere, you get that there's a job that's got to be done. Mm. And if you're part of that conversation, there might be a different way to do it. And this yeah. is where the advantage of flexible working in terms of technology, where we can have choices, where we can actually talk to people around outcomes rather than sitting at a desk from nine till five, because mm. nine to five doesn't necessarily mean 100% productivity. It just oh, means 100%. Time. So, yeah, so absolutely. These are the conversations that we need to bring to the forefront, but also we've got to drop the hint. So what I see time and time again is people go, oh, geez, it'd be so good if... And I go, have you actually brought that up with anyone? Yes. Have you- <laughs> Isn't it amazing how often it's not actually the case, though? <laughs> I still do some hospitality training because I'm a huge nutter and nerd for people having a great time at work. I really am very passionate about it in the hospitality space, especially in that industry because you get so many young kids who – who almost check out before they check in thinking, well, I'm doing my law degree or my fashion designer course and really I'm only here to collect a paycheck and serve drinks and take money and that's it. And to inject a sense of purpose into those people is just a great passion of mine that I still dip back into from time to time. And I just, yeah, I think it's really interesting how, you know, connecting to that that purpose is 
is and and creating purpose and having conversations like I always say you know don't whinge to your fellow colleagues in like some kind of circular whingy spiral of downwardness like whinge up if there's something you see that's not right who can actually help you change that mm, and take it with a solution there's not yes. a boss in the world if you go hey this is an issue and I've had some thoughts about this who won't be interested in that conversation yeah, my first boss ever who was I was just so lucky with her. She was a legend. Said you you can absolutely come to me with a whinge anytime you like as long as you've also come to me with a couple of solutions Love. that you've started to table in your head already. We might not even end up using one of those solutions, but at least it shows that it's not just a big wah. It's a, this is my wah, and these are a few thoughts on why that happened and what we could maybe do about it. What do you reckon? Yeah, yep. And then how do we take ownership? Give ourselves permission to take some ownership on that. What can we do in Mm. that space? Because that's what, yeah, any, any business, any relationship, any connection, it's actually... That comes down to the individuals within it and their ability to kind of step up. And that starts with us and that's mm. what, that's kind of the powerful side of it is that we can actually have an impact on all of this, which is really exciting. We totally can. We're a domino. We could stay straight and looking pretty and everything perfect or so it seems, or we could set something in motion and we could be setting some really special stuff in motion if we just flip ourselves over and get it started. Yeah, and the small stuff is, mm. uh, is what's really key. So, so for me, it is when I come back to, and I guess the last piece of that quadrant is the combination, the sweet spot is when we, we know why we're doing what we're doing, when we're clear on the purpose and we're making progress, that that's where we step into stand out. So for me, stand out isn't about fame. It's not about notoriety. It's not even about ego. It's actually about no matter what you're doing, if you're, you know, working as a mum and, you know, bringing beautiful uh, character building to our kids, then we can do that in a way that they're stepping into stand out when we're really clear on our purpose and we feel like we're making progress in that space and the same in our mm. workplaces as well. I love it. And something else, you talk about having to really know yourself to feel a sense of success in life or in work. Um, can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, this is so key. So this is about not doing what you think you should be doing <laughs> and not mm-hmm. doing what So it comes back people. to that societal checklist completely, thing. Completely. Yeah. So again, in a work context, often I'll hear organisations say we need to really get a grip on our culture. We've got to have a better culture. And it's almost like they're one sentence away from going, Google has a slide in their headquarters and so we need a slide and that'll improve our culture. And it's like, ah, no, yep. it won't actually. You need to do something that has your DNA on it that actually suits and fits for you. Again, I see so many articles online around, you know, these are the 10 things that uh, the top entrepreneurs do before 8am every morning. So it's almost like, right, if I play tennis like Richard Branson does, then that'll make me a serial entrepreneur. Mm. No, whilst we can learn and whilst we can definitely get some insights from them, to be honest, every single one of them, the reason why what they do is important is is because it's what matters to them. And so a passive part of it is going, okay, knowing yourself. And if you're not even sure where to start, then it's just about getting curious in your week. Don't change anything for the week that's happening. But other than to have a list that you either have on your phone or you have at your 
desk or close by you in your in your wallet, your purse that you carry around, and just have um, a line down the middle of the page, and on one side of it, just pay attention to what are the activities that drain you, that leave you feeling exhausted, kind of shattered, and what are the activities that energise you. Ooh, that's the challenge for this episode. What drains you and what what was the other one? Sorry, I already forgot. Energizes you. Oh my gosh. That it, like everyone needs to make that list this week. A particularly challenging time of year to make that list too, but yeah. you know, sometimes because we're cramming in a whole bunch of stuff right now so often. Yeah. Um unless you spoke, unless you listened to the um my chat with Kelly Exeter back in October where we warned you not to do that. Chances are you didn't and you are doing that. And yep. But what's great about it is there's lots of stuff that could go on either side. Like you actually have a pretty good chance that there's heaps that you could be writing down either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not to say, I mean, there are times the stuff that drains us we just have to do, right? Like particularly in a work environment, it's called work for a reason. There's just stuff that you go, oh, man, this doesn't light me up. But if that's the case then how do you schedule it in, put a time frame on it and then quickly ramp it up with something that energises you at the end of that hour that you've been working on that. Oh, I love that because it's true. A discipline around something you're not necessarily a huge fan of that does still need to get done does give you a freedom knowing that you've been disciplined about it because it's been scheduled so then you've been set free. I really like that. Yeah, mm. yeah. so that's where you can inject what it is for you. That's what's important to you. I also had someone, you know, it was probably about 12 months ago, again, I was kind of doing a bit of soul searching and, and she said, I've got some homework for you. And I fully expected her just to say to me, I want you to come up with your next five years <laughs> life goals. Like that's what I was ready for, yeah. right? Like, well, that's my, the traditional and, kind of like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I had my planner out. I'm like, yeah, I can do this. I can throw life goals down. But she didn't. What she actually said to me was, I want you to pay attention to what nourishes your soul. Mm-hmm. And I went, what? What do you mean? I'm ready for my life goals. Yeah, what's this hippie woo-woo crap? Yeah. <laughs> Total woo-woo. Yeah. And she said, no, no, just pay attention to what nourishes your soul. So I did. I embraced it for a week. And the things that I noticed were... And we live five kilometres from the beach. So it was going for a swim in the ocean. It was hearing my kids laugh. It was having lunch in the sun. And when I, at the end of the week, when I saw my list, I went, I can actually schedule all of that in. Oh, all wow. of that is completely within my control. So for the week after, I would literally drive. We've got an office from home. I would literally drive from home, jump into the ocean, drive down to the beach, jump in the ocean for like two minutes yeah. and then jump yeah. back and get back into work. Oh, I amazing. Was so much more purposeful about when I, before I dropped my kids off to school, I'd pick all of them. And yeah. I know it's ridiculous to schedule that in. Uh, it's nuts, isn't it? <laughs> and yet like, hello, big, big realisation of just how simple it can be. Yeah, yeah. So giving ourselves permission and knowing that it's within our control rather than going, oh, I'll wait till the holidays, then I'll do stuff that's good for me. Oh, I'll wait till Sunday, then I'll do something that's good for me. It's, and we now have to weave this into mm. our day, into our week, into the moments um, that then give us the energy to step up and do the next thing that we need to do. Oh, I love it. That's just so beautiful. So what drains us, what energises us and scheduling in the energising stuff and the yep. nourishing stuff. Very yep. cool. Very cool. So uh, something that's just kind of dawned on me as we've been talking is the fact that maybe you do all this stuff 
and you work on yourself and then you come to some realizations that means some pretty big changes. Like someone could be listening to us chatting right now and go, oh gosh, I'm in the wrong job or, (laughs) you know, like, or, oh my gosh, I've just realized that all these catch-ups with this person don't nourish me and yet I've called them my best friend or you know what I mean? Like you can have some pretty big realisations when you develop awareness around your day-to-day, what drains you, what energises you. How do we like, obviously we don't want to fly off the handle and change everything overnight or start having huge fights with people we've realised aren't nourishing Mm -hmm. us or, you know, how do we change sustainably? Like is there like a baby steps program? Like what could we do? (laughs) Look, I... It's such a good question. I think yes and no. I think there is definitely the baby steps and that's where I would say do the little things. Get notice notice what is going to fill you up and what are the ways that you can kind of hit reset even in your week. Don't don't tackle it all at once. Having said that though, and I'm sure that you would have found, and I'm sure many of your listeners, Alex, would have found that sometimes we need to make the big shifts. Mm. Sometimes you can't, it's like the whole, you can't jump a chasm in little steps. <laughs> like you've got to. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Leap that's got to happen. So if that's the case, then big shifts require big support. Mm. So I would gather the people around you who are absolutely going to be your, your cheerleaders. These are the people who are absolutely in your corner who are cheering you on in that space. Mm-hmm. Gather information from people who have done shifts and changes as well themselves in that space. So what is it that yeah. they've learned? What can you adapt from them? And when I come back to that kind of um, big shifts require big support, if you are making a major shift, then it's, it's then that we've got to double down on the self-care stuff rather than, and that's often the thing that gets dropped off when we're, we're going through a big shift or a big change, but we actually... So is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need twice as many baths with Epsom salts. You need twice as many walks <laughs> around the around the park. You need twice as many of that sort of stuff that uh, mm. that is your kind of self care that that will help you through those big shifts. So definitely, there's um, you know dipping your toe in and doing the doing the smaller shifts. Uh, it doesn't have to be um, the big stuff, and even you know even the work around values that I've done with people, often the massive alignment isn't, isn't outwards. There's no shift in job or, or shift in relationship, but it's just that they've reconnected with values. So it might just be that you have some other photos around you that remind you of, of what's important to you, that you have a playlist on your, your phone or your iPad that you listen to that mm. reconnects you with what matters. Or with a oh, yes, sorry, I have to say it because um, my brain is is a tangent Mm, queen and if I don't say it right now I'm going to forget it um so or when you're at work like maybe you know how you mentioned right at the start that you were having these conversations with people and they weren't actually talking about anything (laughs) at work they said stuff like I just feel like I really wish I could see my daughter more often or things like that and maybe it's the shift that you're talking about for people who are in their jobs and maybe currently they do the work and our first assumption is to think it's my work that's taking me away from all these important things. Therefore, the work is bad. Therefore, I've got to dump this job. But maybe it's the work that's letting you do what you want to do once you recalibrate and make space for all of those things because clearly without the money, we don't have the freedom to do an awful lot. 
I would be saying to people, don't give up your day job. Like we, we obviously mm. we need that, that financial support and that's a big, big part of it. But also, uh, nor does work have to fulfill all of you. Yes. So there are so many other aspects that we can be, whether it's actually other groups that we want to be a part of, whether it's volunteering, whether it's other hobbies that we want to immerse ourselves in. Mm. And a big part of yeah. that, and I think what we lose sight of, and I have myself, has is to be wherever we are, be all there be completely there and then in the next moment just be all there so I know there are times where I'm with my kids but I'm not really there I'm mm-hmm. kind of half thinking about the email I need to write and I have to <laughs> the to-do list and has to kind of get done tomorrow but it, when I actually take yeah. a deep breath and just be fully present to the game of Yahtzee that we're playing I love Yahtzee. Oh, my gosh. I haven't played that for decades. You've inspired me. That's going on the Christmas Christmas list. We have um, whoever gets over 300 writes their name in the box on the top of the box. (laughs) Oh, I love it. And you're going to have it full kind of by the time they get home. So so be all there. But if you're at work, then be all there. Mm. If there's other things that you're doing, then be all, all there. So... So, yeah, I think it's the, the mindset shift for the first, first point of call. If there is a big life shift, mm-hmm. then have big supports around you to nourish through those. Yeah, beautiful. Oh, such good advice. Okay, so obviously a new year lies ahead, not awfully far off. And, you know, we're really in this time where it's all about busy and the festive season is so busy. Do you have any sort of self-care tips to beat the overwhelm of, because I feel like we almost default to busy. Like if we're not saying we're busy, then there's something wrong with us. And (laughs) I've been a bit against the grain in that I've specifically wound down a lot of activity so that my December is not busy. And I've done things like, actually, you know what? DIY baking stresses me out for presents. So I'm just going to make a big batch of scrub and that's what everybody's getting. And, you know, I've just sort of looked through all of my things and cut the busy out so that things aren't huge productions or um, overly complicated or stressful so that I can be anti-busy in the festive season. Have you? Yeah, I know. Anti-busy. It's a campaign of mine. (laughs) Have you got any advice for maybe it's a general thing around those overwhelming feelings that that can build up in us from a psychological perspective? What are some steps we can take to kind of chill out again? Yeah. Look, number one, I would say is even drop the word busy. Yes. Not love it. If we stop using it, Mm. um, be its boss and fire it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, fire it. Absolutely. Wage a war on on busy. for me, it's always such a realisation that I chose this. So I choose the work that I do. I choose uh, wanting to be around my kids more often. I choose, you know, being at, wanting to have more of these conversations. So this, this is my choice. Mm. I love this time of year. I think it's such a beautiful reflection on what the year's been about, what's happened, what hasn't happened, the adventures, the challenges, the struggles. The strategies, the fun times, it's, it's such a, a great time to to reconnect. And often what we see is what we term inverted commas busy is really just those connection times, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. having the, the catch up with the work 
to stop and go, hey, this is what we nailed this year. It's a spending time with family, which, you know, has its own pressures and <laughs> expectations on its own. Don't but, sit Auntie Betty next to Mario, whatever you do. Yeah. No, so again, <laughs> rather than stressing, and that's what I love, you know, worrying about the bake-off rather than it's actually about the conversations when we hang out with people. Yeah. One of the bits that that nourish me when we do get together and doesn't really matter in the big scheme of things if we haven't quite got the matching napkins. (laughs) Go with everything. (laughs) It probably doesn't. But then for other people, they'll go, actually, that's the bit that I love and it actually energises me to worry about that sort of stuff. And I'm like, go for it. (laughs) So true, which is why we need to see families more like work teams. Yes. In in the sense in the context of Christmas, like yeah. I'm big on giving people jobs that they're going to love rather than jobs that are going to go against every fibre of their being. And if yeah. if cooking makes someone nervous, put them on the table design. Put them, you know, or ask them what is it about preparing for Christmas that you love, and let's get yeah. all the family members doing something that they really feel they add value with and it's a joy to do. Absolutely. What do you want to contribute mm. to? And then from a personal thing, something that we've done as a family for the last three years, and we're doing it again this year, is we actually go camping for that week before Christmas, which Ooh. is phenomenal. It's completely changed my Christmases the last three Christmases. So first of all, no one else goes camping then, so it's quiet. Yeah. <laughs> they probably I will after the... hearing this, but I would totally encourage you to do it. <laughs> you have half of Australia <laughs> all of a sudden blocking up all the highways. I love it. And uh, <laughs> it just gets you out of that last bit of Christmas crazy. We yeah. end up buying stuff that you, because you're worried about that you haven't got enough stuff, and so you just end up buying more plastic stuff that you don't need and no one really worries about so you've done that kind of rest and for me for us it's a transition out of orbit out of the the uh, work kind of space mm. having time just with the kids and then we get to come into really being present to to Christmas and and family yeah. which then sets us up beautifully to then do that reflection of new year what's this year going to hold uh, what is it that we want to bring to life in the year that's ahead of us. So, yeah, I, and it doesn't have to be a whole week. It doesn't even have to be camping, but it might just be a day or two where you opt out of that Christmas crazy or that uh, that commercial crazy side of it and and just pause, just, just mm. thinking with where, where you're at right here and right now. I love it. What a beautiful note to end our chat on, Ali. Thank you so much for your time. I feel like we've had so many good little nuggets come out of this. And my personal favourite is making that list, drawing that line down the middle of the piece of paper, what drains, what energises. And then second was that beautiful question you were asked instead of what your five-year plan was to make a list of what nourishes you and to actually schedule in lunch in the sun. Mm just so good well have a beautiful uh, festive season you too alex has been enjoy your camping trip oh, we will we will <laughs> i have uh, i get i know when i get tanned feet in the shape of thongs that i ah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah beautiful i get wrinkle line tans around my um crow's feet on my eyes and that's my favorite sign that i'm living a happy life oh, i love it i love mm. it <laughs> so great to chat with you alex great to chat with you thanks thanks
Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. Check out the show notes at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. And if you wanted to maybe share a quote and something that really jumped out for you, you can find us on Instagram at lowtoxlife or simply hashtag lowtoxlife across social media. I absolutely love bringing you the show. Thank you for any of the star ratings or one-line reviews that you guys have left. It helps me know what you've been loving and what you'd love to see more of. I'll see you next week. Pass.